Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Socialists don't like ordinary people choosing, for they might not choose socialism. We cannot afford to be so politically correct anymore. Conservative one. With George Christensen. G'day, I'm George Christensen, host of Conservative One, the podcast defending traditions and freedom. And I'm joined by Keith Payne, VC. He's a real-life war hero. Uh, this guy was awarded the last uh, Imperial VC uh, that was awarded in Australia. Uh, he's a Vietnam War veteran. Uh, more than that, served in Malaya, served in the Korean War. And... Um, I want you to hear Keith's story, and I also want you to hear a bit from someone who has been described to me as one of our nation's greatest living treasures and his views on Australian society and Australian politics today. Keith, your um, war record is obviously up there. You are, as I said, um, a living war hero in Vietnam, you rescued or you commandeered the rescue of 40 men under live fire. Can you tell me about that day back in 1969? Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it was a memorable day for me because uh, uh, quite untold uh, within the military forces, I was a company commander That's right. of Mabel's Fight Force as a uh, warrant officer. Uh, they're carrying out deep penetration office, uh, uh, operations on the Horochimene uh, trail of border area and everything. Our tasking was forced to uh, find the enemy infiltration routes and prevent uh, large-scale enemy operations against our our forces at that time. This is in the Australian history type of things is uh, quite uncommon for uh, a person of my rank uh, at that time, but uh, the experience. What uh, was your rank at the time? Okay. Yeah. What was your rank? Mm-hmm. What What was your rank at the time? Well, I was a class two. Yeah. Right. Uh, but when uh, giving the task tasking by the American Special Forces, uh, they. But boy, you know, uh, we we can't have anybody with the experience uh, here uh, to give command to. We've got to give him command. So uh, uh, it was Ray Simpson, uh, Simon, and myself. We we played around the military. For, for many, many years in Korea, Malaya, Vietnam, and all over the place. And uh, 
the American Special Forces seen the advantage of this and made us company commanders. So, uh, when, when the first operation started, mm. uh, by the indigenous soldiers I was commanding, uh, picked and choose and they... This is the South Vietnamese? Yeah, no, 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 no. Modern yard, this is the... Like the Gurkhas, oh. like the Gurkhas from that mountain chain running all over that way, uh, they were they were the indigenous people okay. of, of, of Vietnam. And uh, I know damn good loyal the best, some of the best soldiers I ever served with, right? But uh, the first operation, bang, they selected, and I didn't know, but they know how they could give me four, four guards yep. in my new company headquarters. And that was their, their thing. And those people, those four people stuck with me all the way through from, uh, Duk to bloody, uh, Ben Het to Battle at Ben Het and everywhere. Uh, they stuck with me and, uh, and, and, and to bring out the people, people and right. so, so Ben Het is where it happened. Ben Het, yeah. ben Het was under attack on all fronts by the Viet Cong. Oh, mate, we walked into the greatest little piece of poop yeah. <laughs> that you could ever talk to. The, uh, uh, we, were, we were deployed in onto uh, a feature that was occupied by the 5th Battalion Mobile Strike Force. Yep. But we couldn't stay there, right, because they had been there for quite some time. And the enemy would be taking, making a plan yep. to attack them. Yep. So we had to get out of there, right, to draw the enemy's attention. Into another direction, and we did that quite easy. Right? Yeah. He was waiting for us. Yeah. Uh, it was a late afternoon operation. We had, uh, I, I had called in artillery, I had called in everything uh, before we crossed the start line, and uh, uh, we had a hold up of of all supporting elements because the Arvin uh, had landed north of us mm. in a old French area and it was a clear area and they were using our artillery and our pack air and everything. Uh, 
uh, as their protective zone around where they were and uh, uh, I had spoken to the commander and I said, well, come on down, <laughs> come here. You got a firefight going on, you know, uh, and uh, the worst thing. Just so people know, how many men were under your command when this happened? I had about oh, there was about sixty-eight. I think I had that sixty-eight when I went in. Yeah. Uh, but I'd been cut down now because of casualties and and medicals and, and, and all sorts of things to about uh, 57. 57. And, and by your estimates, how many were in the forces the Viet Cong would come up against you? How many of them would there have been? Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, Georgia. Uh, I, uh, we would estimate what, what was happening here. What was happening here? And I'll have to, uh, give you a big broad picture here. Uh, Ben Hecht Special Forces Camp, mm-hmm. uh, the idea, right, was looking after the whole lot of the, uh, northern plateau of Vietnam. Right. It was the key, mm-hmm. the key to everything. Now, uh, we found, we found, we knew that, uh, the 27th NVI regiment was coming down from Laos from the L French Force area here, right? And the 24th was coming in on this direction. They didn't know where the 66th Regiment was. Mm. Ah, 66th Regiment was coming in here. So, uh, we were tasked, right, to go and find his infiltration route, right. Uh, uh, we, we, uh, we were choppered in. Uh, and we offloaded on the 5th Battalion situation and uh, it was, uh, it, it was too dangerous to carry, to remain in a defensive position with them. We had to move out away from what the enemy would have planned, mm. uh, as an attack on a, on a, onto that area. Where we moved to, where we moved to was uh, our mistake. Our mistake. The battalion command's mistake. Uh, my mistake. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, was he had already set up. Uh, an annihilation ambush yeah. on that bloody feature. So when, when he when we went onto the feature, then he sprung everything and uh, the, the firefight was on. A bit tough on yourself to say it was uh, 
your mistake because you you had no idea he was there. No one had any idea that. Oh no, was no. <laughs> you know, I, I loved somebody to tell me who. Yeah. Right. I, I, I had the expectation of a a drone at the time to have a look what was going on. In a different war if there were drones in Vietnam. Yeah, different yeah. war, different so, so, situation. So, you, you know, the answer, how many of them were there? A lot. You weren't stopping the car. Uh, uh, but there but, was probably, uh, I would say the regular is 600. 600? Uh, and you had about 60? All his assets. Yeah, well, I and he had a surrounded good. Well, now I know from information, he's had them all deployed yeah. nicely and everything. The commander, uh, and and I congratulate the enemy commander because he did uh, really have the whole thing set up. Ready for us. So ready for us. You're under fire. Your yeah, job yeah. was to uh, get the, the hell out of there, basically, and get the men to safety. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, some of your men were were shot. Keith, a lot were shot, mm. a lot were wounded, mm. some died. Mm. Uh, mm. You decide at some point that you're going back in there to get the wounded. Yeah. Well, what? what uh, why? Let me just ask you that question. Why? Uh, the other co- company commander who was going forward, Montez's company was going forward on yeah. the bloody right. He was an American, right? And I was going, my company was going on a left form to, to do uh, a, 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 a defensive area on that little knoll. Yeah. Right? And we just got on it and he was waiting. Bow! Yep. Right. Uh, and Montez was mortally wounded. Yes. This is a company, American Special Forces company, the matter. But he came back to me and, uh, and, and I, the only situation that, the only decision that I could make then was make, try and make what was known as a tactical withdrawal. Yep. Right. So we got as many. So you took you took command of uh, yeah, Montez's right. forces, the U.S. forces as well. Well, uh, when I analysed things, George, uh, and right through until after that battle, uh, we completed. Right, uh, I had taken command of the battalion. Yep. Well, I, I, I didn't take command of the battalion. The command of the battalion came to me. Right? Yeah. Somebody had to do something. Yeah. Uh, the battalion commander, uh, off into the night. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, my only tactical communications was with uh, a, a spooky, uh, a, a gunship over the top of me from my radio down because of the terrain and everything. I was down here in the jungle and 
I couldn't contact anybody but somebody over the top of it. And from there I was relayed back to Duck Toe to the Special Forces Headquarters. So where does that make me? What, what, what does that make me now? I, I'm doing... Mm. I'm a, uh, 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 without without wanting to or without I I I was taking over the battalion command mm. the battalion command because the battalion commander the American Special Forces Office officer uh, and the uh, and uh, who had ordered uh, the Australian warrant officer, uh, who was my forward platoon commander, right, to go with him uh, to supposedly bring back people and pick up the wounded and everything. And nobody was coming back. <laughs> Not that night. <laughs> That night, uh, so when I when I uh, had picked up wounded and uh, and my people, uh, I got back and then here I am. I've got uh, the uh, the fellow captain commander. You said when I go on and pick up the wounded, there were four, forty men that were wounded. No, were, yeah, well they weren't all wounded. They weren't all were just what, what, what was really happening here was the word that came out and was set up uh, a, uh, a defensive little zone to, uh, as a security point. Right? And then uh, uh, I, I went for I had to get my radio and that my communications, right? My communications, my 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 world yeah. was that radio, right? Now I I only had to go about twenty meters, and my radio man was there, right? Uh, and Big John was there, and he had the radio okay, and I said, oh, "Now, now I can do something, right?" So. Uh, I, I decided, okay, well, I've, I've got to get some wounded, I've got to get the rest of the wounded off here if I can, right? Uh, if you can. So, so, what made you think this is the question, Pete? If you can, you, you were surrounded. You going back in there was, a lot of people would have seen that as a bit of a suicide mission, walking back into the middle of a nest of, of Viet Cong that were firing on you. What made you think that you could? Can you can you recall what was going through your mind at that point that you yeah, made the decision yeah, you were yeah. going back uh, in? I, I, uh, it was my responsibility, right? I was a company commander. It was my responsibility to get as many of those soldiers out of that problem mm. otherwise 
uh, uh, I would not be uh, living up to my soldier's responsibility. Yep. It's like you, George. You, you know, you, you, you as a, a parliamentarian, have a responsibility. Yeah. Right. Now, and 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 that's that is what it was, and. Uh, uh, on the second time, I, I went up to get the word, and I could, I could hear him, but the, the worst thing I was hearing was single shots. The Coming enemy would shoot him, I wounded. Shooting the wounded? Shooting the wounded. Uh, yeah. Was there shots coming for you as well? There was, wasn't uh, there? No, not at that time. They eventually Not that found time. <laughs> no. We're talking. This is not happening in five minutes. No, this is ours. This is, this is a whole night, wasn't it? Yeah, it, is a, you know, it went on for a couple of hours. So, uh, I. On the last time I, I approached the hill to get a wounded. I'd gone deeper down and up and up a, a small little concave gutter where the rain just, when it rained, it made this little drain thing. And I could hear noise up there, so I thought, okay, well, uh, it took me probably 20, 25 minutes to get up to the top of this little gutter thing and uh, the shot for fire. Silence came. So I thought, well, oh, what do I do? Mm. do anyhow. What went in your mind, they've just killed those guys? Aye. What went through your mind is that they've just shot some of your men? Uh, well, through my mind at that time, I, I was... I, I just said, okay, well, I can't do any more here. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, it it wasn't an emotional decision, and a lot of people ask me about that, George. You know, uh, that uh, you know, you, a couple of your wounded soldiers have been just shot and everything. And you say, what? Well, uh, that's all part of the war, then. It's not, you know. it's not nice, but you're dealing with it every yeah. day, I guess. So I I rolled over because I I was I had my weapon with me, yeah. but uh, wasn't my weapon. But that's another story. Yeah. Uh, I rolled over and then there was two of the enemy just there like that, climbing this. Little gutter thing. You saw him. Well, one of them opened fire, uh -huh. and they, 
the mistake was made, he made the mistake that he was looking normal at the night time, you should die. I, and it, it went, it, it, it went over the top of me. Yeah, mate. I scrolled over, went tap, 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 tap. Uh, and they both dropped. Got them. And then I got out of there. Yeah. Down. And, uh, uh, I got, cause it was a lot of smoke and a lot of, yeah. uh, leaf fire and everything yeah. from the, the, uh, explosives and everything. Uh, so I laid down and I had a bloody log and I had a smoke. You had a smoke? I had a smoke. <laughs> Covering your face so they wouldn't see the, the light of the uh, Wouldn't have made any bloody difference anyhow. They, could, they couldn't smell it. They, but, uh, anyhow, I had a smoke and said goodbye to the family. You thought you were gone? Huh? You thought you still Oh, well, I still had to go back and there was three blokes that I brought down in the first place here. I had to pick them up and then I had to get back to my secure zone with my radio and everything, right? They stayed with me. They, Jesus, they stayed with me, mate. I tell you, they didn't, nothing, and that was all part of the 40, right? Going back, right? Uh, and, and so when I was able to marry up the wounded and everything and get that all back, I think I, out of the 40, when I, it all ended up. Uh, there would have been probably eight, eight, uh, one of the, one of the indigenous soldiers died on the way, and then Montez died, and, uh, I was trying to work through Spooky to get a Maguire rig to get him out, and, uh, and, yeah. Anyhow, you've skipped over something. Eh? You've skipped over something. Because I, I know this story, you were wounded. Yeah, well... Uh, How did that happen? That happened in, 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 in the afternoon of the, the firefight. And actually, the, the, the word was a, a superficial sort of a thing because it, uh, the B-40... His B-40 rocket, he was pretty alongside of me, right, and blew me over. But what I got off of was a piece of bark or, or, or a sleeve of timber. Went up and he bloody hit me in the forehead. Stuck in there? <laughs> Stuck in there. <laughs> Pull it out? I pulled it out. Uh, after Montez had passed away, 
uh, I had um, Jerry Dolomai, who was magnificent. Uh, special Forces, American Special Forces. He was American, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, he a was medic, my, was he? He was my medic. Yeah. Uh, and I got sick and tired of the bloody thing. I was very tired. We were walking. We were bleeding. We had not slept in 36 hours. No, uh, we were, we were tired. Yeah. Our bodies were tired. Our minds were tired. Uh, at, uh, uh, all of us, all of us, and, and I'm so proud to have had uh, Harry Dolo and um, Oriyama, a medical bloke from the US Special Forces. Oriyama was uh, Montez's medic, Harry Dolo was my medic. Yeah. I, and to have those blades with you, it, it, it was, that, that, yeah. yeah so uh, at the end of that whole event, you got all the blokes that you could out of that mess, and you got, you got away. You made that tactical withdrawal, or did something else happen? No, 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 I did make a bloody tactical withdrawal. Uh, uh, how did you? Where where did you end up to get to safety? Is what I'm asking. Well, I ended up uh, back on the Fifth Battalion Hill where we wanted to get off. Right, <laughs> right. That was that was uh, uh, our, our our lifesaver. That was where we could go. And other than that, mm. I would have had to cut myself down uh, on. Another feature, uh, closer into Ben Head, uh, and, and, and that would have taken me another, well, it would have taken me through until daylight, but, and, uh, either would have been, I and the, and the group that was with me, would have been out of tactical range and everything. So, uh, uh, the decision, my decision was, I'll go there, right, and then the next morning, next morning, I, I, uh, the wounded went out in the chopper, and I went out in the chopper, and I went back to Duckdale, into the headquarters, all sorts of two stars and generals and everything, and I said, you've got to pull them all out. got to pull them all out. And, uh, uh, as an Australian world, and at this time, uh, you know, most of the command in the field in that direction but there was things going on all over the place. But in my area, I, I had become the commander. 
whether I wanted it or not, I didn't. I, well, I didn't. Didn't. Uh, <coughs> I did deliberately take command. It was only that by radio uh, I could inform Ducto uh, through Spooky uh, um, trying to get a bird up with a wire rig to lift the word about and everything. Uh, it was all happening from me, not from the designated commander. So great, greatness was thrust upon you and you uh, you met the challenge because about six months later, in September if I'm not mistaken, uh, you found yourself on a royal ship in the Brisbane River, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, with the Queen. With uh, a woman named Elizabeth. Uh, and you were awarded uh, a Victoria Cross by the Queen. How was that moment, uh, Keith? Well, it was uh, it, it, it felt fine for me. It felt fine for me. Uh, I I looked at the, I looked at the situation more as an Australian soldier, uh, saying, "Well." Uh, uh, here's a digger, you know, uh, doing his job, and as Ray Simpson and, uh, you know, all people you, you get, uh, award, whether it's a military medal, military cross, or whatever, you're only carrying out your responsibilities as, uh, as a commander or, or uh, as uh, a machine gunner or whatever, right? Uh, and I think it. I think that uh, uh, from the Australian military point of view, uh, the day I stood before the Queen. To receive the Victoria Cross. I was doing that on behalf of the Australian uh, Australian Army training training team, uh, the warrant officers, the the soldiers of Australia, uh, and. Uh, to do that, and, and of course, I I did mention in in my own way the thanks uh, to Jerry Dalrow. Uh, Jerry got he got two silver stars for God's sake yeah. with me. <laughs> the Americans, favorite, yeah. And, uh, well, the Americans, uh, uh gave me their, their second highest award, which was the senior service class. 
they also give me the silver star, which wow. is a third eye. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, all of these things were happening, but I, I, in my own little way, so that uh, I'm proud to be an Australian soldier. And you deserved it. You deserved it. Very well. George said, the army is a family. Mm. And whilst a lot of people don't realise that uh, you're prepared and trained to fight for your nation, mm. but you're also prepared and trained to die for your nation die for your friend just alongside mm. that's that's an Australian you're listening to conservative wine so Keith given that you were awarded the Victoria Cross by the Queen tell me how do you feel about the push for a republic for instance how do you feel about the push for a republic? Within Australia? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, look, George, I'm, I'm, I'm dead against it. Uh, it, it, it's, it came up a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's died off. Uh, you know, I, I, I haven't heard, except for a couple of things that, uh, uh, I have mentioned to you about the Federation uh, Star and mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I haven't heard uh, a lot of proposal for anything or build up to a public. Yeah. Uh, uh, which pleases me. We. we what? Uh, why? What, what? Why don't you think we should have a republic? What's? What do you reckon? Uh, I think I think the greatest thing that uh, gives it to me is uh, we, we, we would have chosen allies, and our allies are right from Great Britain to the old uh, uh, Commonwealth of Nations. And those Commonwealth of Nations, right, including the USA, strange as I say that, <coughs> right, but whilst we have that whole family, that something to make us one, right, uh, we are solid on the ground. We're solid as a nation on the ground 
within the Commonwealth. And we should remain, we should remain within the Commonwealth. Just um, on the issue of, of veterans' affairs, uh, and I don't ask this question as a political question, uh, I ask this, you know, as someone who is a veteran. Keith, are we doing enough for our veterans? And if not, what more should we be doing as a country? All right. Uh, Keith, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have a wine. I'll have one too. I, I, cheers, by the way. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> I, I have, uh, a uh, great program going on at the moment uh, for post-traumatic stress. Uh, now, it, it, shortly... This is something you're pushing for. From the oh moment. my God, I'm, I'm passionate, passionate to believe that uh, uh, post-traumatic stress, not only from the veterans, yeah. right, but from the first responders, the police force, uh, what the fire brigade, have a look what's happened. Yeah. It, you know, George, uh, all these people have got a problem, right? And, and I had the problem, I know that. But, uh, uh, what Australia needs to do, the government needs to do, is to have a long, hard look at what the mental attitude of Australians are when they become out of problem, like the fires, this poor bugger that uh, was looking after his cattle out there, right, in the drought and everything, and he just kept some skinny body cattle and then all that bloody water came down and drowned them, and that was too much for him. He just went, right? Uh, so uh, these are the things that are happening within our nation. People within our nation, the ambulance, the policemen, everybody, right? But, but, the thing that gets me is it's been happening since we went to the Boer War. Mm. The First World War, the place to come again, not the French disease, the whole thing. They're locking them up in lunatic asylums. They have go down the street and they have a punch up with a bloke because he says the wrong thing and, and he goes to jail. Now why? Why? Problem is the government, and it hasn't been faced, right? The post-traumatic stress disorder needs to be addressed and addressed immediately, mm. immediately, right? And that—that that is, uh, if for. Until I pass away, I, I'm, I'm, we're working on that all the time, yeah. right? 
กวยไปนอนอะไรก็โอ้ตายโอ้ตาย and to ensure that the suicide rate is broken down by the medical expertise and everything and looking after the post-traumatic stress thing. It's a, it, it is a medical problem and, and it has not been faced by the Commonwealth Government nor 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 our whole the British Commonwealth mm. right, has not looked at this problem yeah. has not looked at this problem and it is a problem mm. and it's a big problem right? now it can be fixed You don't have to go into a royal commission and everything else like that. Uh, a lot more has to be done. Yeah. Well, uh, a lot has to be done. I think we need to continue doing a lot, and we'll never, never ever stop doing a lot because um, you know the people that have signed up for service that actually trained to fight for their country, and as you say, trained to die. For their country, yeah, you can never, ever do enough. No, well, that. and I agree with you. You can never ever do enough for the people who have also put themselves in harm's way in service uh, in our communities. The police, yeah, the fires, everything, the ambulance. You know, uh, yep, they, they do put right. themselves in harm's They're way. They're the first day. responders. Yeah, Keith, what do you think about? Political correctness. It seems to have gone out of control these days in Australia. Um, you've you've been through a lot. You're eighty uh, nine almost. Eighty um, nine, is it? Uh, yeah, eighty yeah. seven. Eighty seven. I'll start it again. So, so making me too well. Yeah, making too old. Start again. So <laughs> Keith, uh, uh, you know, political correctness. I reckon it's gotten out of control. In this country, in a lot of countries, actually, you're 87 years old. You've seen a lot. What do you think about this uh, politically correct culture? Culture we've got this woke, woke culture that they go through these days. Well, it's uh, it's come up as a little bit of a saga, really. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, it's uh, it's something that's out of control. Uh, Politically and media. media, the media, the media has taken control of uh, the political agenda, the polit political agenda, the political vein, call it whatever you like. But the media, the media are uh, in there sniping and everything. And they're bringing out things that are absolutely incorrect, you know, uh, and they're getting away with it. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, fake news. That, That's what Donald Trump calls it, fake news. Yeah. Well, this to me, this to me, I, I only hope that the rest of the public of Australia can see the flaw. Yeah. Right? Uh, between... 
what the media is trying to uh, project to to the the inhabitants and what the what the political uh, the the voted government of the day is looking after the country and everything is and they're taking all sorts of things into into consideration and everything right and then make a decision on which way they're going mm. whereas the media just pick up a little bit of thing here a little bit of thing here put it on paper talk it up talk about it on tv and and that to me that to me is the most damning thing most damning thing to the nation mm. there's half correctness going out there half of this bit and it's all uh, media 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 mm. and, and so I, I, I don't uh, I, I listen to media, obviously, right? But I, I make my own bloody decisions yeah, well. on, on, you know, uh, what is and what is not. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not a politician. I'm mm. just a, a citizen of the world yeah, yeah. Uh, or a citizen of Australia. How many citizens out there hear all this Doing and froming and everything, and make their own decision. Yeah, right. We need more of that. And you're your own man. You proved that. Hi. You're your own man. You proved that. So uh, we need more of that. Can I ask you one last question, Keith? One last question. You told me about where you, you know, you took the smoke. Where you thought about saying goodbyes because you thought that was it you weren't going to make it out uh, did you say a bit of a prayer to the, the the man in the sky are you a religious man a man of faith uh, no, I, uh, at that time I, I I said goodbye to my family uh, and uh, my, my only thing was for a religious thing is uh, I said well I've made it this far I wonder how far I can go with your help with your help we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come we'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. You've been listening to the Conservative One Podcast with George Christensen.